Welcome to the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our Saturday night service recorded on January 2nd, 2010. And this is part six, our final part of the series, Living in a Larger Story. And this one covers a topic that doesn't get a lot of good press in Christianity, but this is called ambition. And we're going to look at how ambition, having the desire of wanting things, certainly not bad things or sinful things, but having desire in your heart, how that plays into living into a larger story and how that can kind of hopefully break us out of this this cycle of, of resolutions this time of year and actually help us bring about some real lasting change in our lives and in our stories that we're living. So thanks for listening. Check us out on the web at northshorevineyard.org when you get a chance. Someday we're going to have somebody who's going to do that. But uh... <laughs> Brian. No. Um, uh, seven years ago, I, w- I, w- I uh, tried out for this this um, songwriters competition, and they were choosing five people to represent Louisiana at this international songwriters competition out in um, at this place called the Floribama. Anybody ever heard of the Floribama? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that's where the the uh, international songwriters festival was going to be. I had no idea what the Floribama was until I ended up there, but. Uh, <laughs> Interesting place. But um, anyway, I ended up making it to the final round of this competition, and they brought in all these judges from Nashville that were like like professional songwriters. I never – I didn't even knew such a thing existed. Like I didn't know people like had that job. And uh, these guys, they were heavy hitters. Like one guy had written something like 500 songs before he had ever even got a, a song on a hit record. And he finally got one on a Tim McGraw record, and it sold like 14 million copies. So the dude was doing all right. But um, these were the kind of guys judging us. And so it was a little bit intimidating, you know, me and my you know, humble little collection of, of, of songs. But they did a songwriting workshop for us, and they kind of got into the mechanics of, of, of songwriting. And it was really helpful in one sense. But in another sense, it kind of struck me as a little odd, you know, that, that you would treat songwriting kind of like a eight-to-five job. I mean, these guys actually, they started talking. They would actually go to work, time to go to work, and they just write songs all day and then turn them in at the end of the week. And, like, you know, I was like, wow, that, that, that's weird. Yeah, anybody ever watch the show Behind the Music on VH1? I don't think they still have it going on, but they probably got the equivalent on Biography or whatever uh, channels. Um, but I used to love Behind the Music because they would take a band like Fleetwood Mac or U2 or Eric Clapton and, and they would get into what was happening when they recorded this CD or, or when they made these songs. And I loved hearing the songs. Like, you know, Eric Clapton had a song, uh, No More Tears in Heaven. I think that was the name of it. But, uh, you know, you hear the song on the radio and it's a good song, but then you hear the stuff behind it, the story, you know, that he wrote that song because his son died and, and all the struggles he went with, you know, and he was trying to deal with that. And all of a sudden it's like you listen to that song and you think of that perspective. You don't just hear the song anymore. Now you hear the story behind the song. And now his story begins to connect with your story and, and where you've lost stuff in your life. And maybe someone's died in your life and you've been like, ah, and, and now that story has connected with you. Well, it kind of reminds me a bit of the book of Psalms. If you look in Psalms, there's sometimes you'll find 
at the beginning of such and such song, it, psalm, it'll say, and, and basically the book of Psalms, if you've never read it, it's just album lyrics, okay? It's uh, lyrics to songs. We don't know how the song sounded, but we have the lyrics. But a lot of times there will be this little notation at the beginning of it, and it says, this is a song that David wrote when he was being hunted down by Saul. This is another song that David wrote when he was in a cave running from Saul. Or, you know, this is a song David wrote when he was out on a field and pondering the beauty of God or whatever. And for me, I like reading those things because, you know, a lot of times you just kind of glimpse over that. But to me, I, I look at that and I go, he was on the run from Saul. What does that story look like? Well, I go look at that story. And I'm like, dude, he was writing. It's like a blues song, you know. He, he was having a hard time in his life, and he was dealing with this, this tough place, and this song came out of it. So these are kind of two methods to writing song. And on one side, you have the Nashville method, which is, you know, these, these professional guys who just crank out songs. They produce them. They, they just turn them out one after another, and, and they're talented. Then on the other side, you got these bands and, and folks like David out of the Bible who they kind of write songs out of their experience. The songs aren't manufactured. And, you know, if I look at these two methods of songwriting, I got to tell you, I identify a little bit more with the behind the music one, you know, <laughs> the David one. You know, I've, I've written some songs in my life where I just sat down and I'm like, I'm going to write a song about so-and-so, and it may be a good song. I annoy my wife. I write all these crazy, stupid songs about dinner, you know, chicken and corn. It was a, it was a big hit around our house. Um, <laughs> I'm hungry. That was another good one. Uh, I won't, I won't <laughs> bless you with them tonight. <laughs> what? No, r- r- really. It, if we weren't putting this online, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the kids, we all joined together. But, you know, most of the time, I don't really try to sit down and craft a song, but I, I find that, that when I'm going through something hard in my life or something good or whatever, it, a, a song just becomes the natural manifestation out of that spot. You know, it, It's a way of being honest and, and dealing with those emotions, whatever they are, you know, good or bad. I wrote a song when I got married to Dina. I've wrote, wrote, written some songs when, when things were just going really bad in life. And those songs, you know, you can't manufacture them. They, they just come out of a rough place. It's like Johnny Cash. He didn't manufacture a lot of songs. You know, you listen to his last few albums, and, I mean, those songs came out some hard stuff. But I, I find that, uh, you know, what I'm trying to get at here, that's not a, not a whole message on songwriting, but what I'm trying to get at here is, is we ponder the new year. How many of y'all are thinking of some New Year's resolutions? How many of y'all gave up on New Year's resolutions a long time ago? <laughs> you know, my New Year's resolution for 09 was I resolved not to make any resolutions. And I fulfilled it fabulously. Well, I did make one resolution, but it was really kind of like an anti-resolution. I, I gave up fasting for Lent. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, you get so tired of making resolutions because you know your own track record. You know that, that we do these things every year where it's like, you know, I'm going to be different. This year, this year I'm going to stop cussing. I'm, I'm going to give up cigarettes. I'm, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to eat more organic food. I'm going to get six-pack abs like that guy on Soloflex. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet for me. No, I'm really just hiding them underneath. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a keg, right? <laughs> but I think one reason why our, our, our resolutions tend to fail is because they're out of context. Because most of us aren't like Nashville songwriters. Most of us don't have the talent or the ability to just crank something wonderful out in, in, in a moment's notice. 
most of us need a story, a narrative uh, of, of where things are going. Now, let me explain this. In, in, in screenwriting, for, for movies, a lot of times a screenwriter will take the climactic scene and they will envision what that scene's going to be. And then they'll take their character and they'll figure out, how do we get this guy to here? Anybody remember the first Rocky? I know it's going way back for some of y'all. And I think I've got the right Rocky. I know there was a lot of them. But the, the, the climactic scene, is, as far as I can remember, I was probably only like seven years old at the time. But it's, it's, it's a bloody, beaten, bruised up, sweaty Rocky. You know, I mean, he's just beaten to a pulp, and he's, he's holding his glove up in the air, and he's going, Adrian! <laughs> remember that? That was Rocky one, right? Okay. That's the climactic scene. So, so the, 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 the way that they got to write that script is this is where we want it to end up. He, he, he's defeated his foe. He, he's, he's calling out for the love of his life, and he's bloody and whatever, but, but that's where we want this thing to end up. So how do we take this, this Italian stallion guy and, and you know, this, this, this boxer and we get him there? How do we get him there? And I think this is a helpful way. You know, we've been talking about the components of living in a larger story, living in a story that's not about us, living in a story that, where, where there's greatness, an epic narrative, where, where our lives count, where it's not just getting by and paying the bills and, and watching TV, but, but, but we're spending our life on th- some things that count. Well, I think as we look towards this year, we could learn a little bit of a lesson uh, from screenwriting. I think this is a good way to work in our lives. So, I want you to think tonight, what would be a good climactic scene for, your, for this year? If you, were, if you were a screenwriter and, you know, you could take the things in your heart that really matter to you, what would be an awesome scene? What would be an awesome, I mean, it doesn't have to be the end of your life, okay? I mean, th- we're just talking about a chapter, but what would, what would be an awesome uh, high point of this next year? See, I think... If we begin to get a narrative understanding of our lives, we, we provide a context now from which things can happen. Instead of just trying to write a great song, you know, go to work, and I'm going to just write good songs, and, you know, you're out of ideas about three days, two weeks down the road. No, now you provide a context where, 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 where good songs can emerge. You're, you're, you're heading someplace. Like, for instance, I, I read about a guy, uh, Donald Miller, who um, I'm, I'm indebted to for, for some of these, uh, some, some wisdom on this. But uh, he was talking about how his resolution for this year is he wants to climb Mount Hood up in um, Washington. And, you know, Donald Miller, he, he admitted he needs to lose some weight and he needs to, you know, get in shape. But instead of making that his resolution, he's made his resolution, I'm going to climb a mountain. That he, he sees the climactic scene of this next year, him standing up on top of that mountain yelling, freedom. He sees that. You know, that, that's what he's working toward. But you know what? In getting to the top of that mountain, he's going to lose weight. <laughs> he's going to get in shape. Or he ain't going to do it. You know I mean? It, it, it's going to cost him something to get to that scene. In the same way, I think if we can get a vision of, of where it is we want to go as individuals, as a church, as a couple, you know, you know, individually here. Where, where, where do you want to go? What, what would be a great high point of this year uh, coming to you? You know, I, I titled tonight's talk, Ambition. We don't hear too many good things about ambition in Christianity often, do we? 
You know, ambition is usually the, like the thing you want to resist. And, and certainly we've seen a lot of bad ambition. I've had a lot of bad ambition in my life, you know, where, you know, just, you know, you want to be famous, you want power, you want, you know, whatever. There's bad ambition, but there's also good ambition. You know, every story, the hero has to want something, huh? I mean, if Rocky didn't want anything, what would be the point? Clark Griswold from A Christmas Christmas Vacation. You know, he wanted something. I mean, it wasn't much. He wanted to put a pull in and have a, have a nice Christmas family thing. But he wanted something, right? Ambition, you know, God, it's okay to want some things in life. Now, obviously, we need to kind of filter them through God's plan. It's not good to, you know, want your secretary or, uh, you know, want things that are evil, Right? But it's okay to have ambition. In, in, in fact, it's necessary if we're going to live in a larger story. We, we need to want something. You know, I put a little quote on there. I love this quote. I, I think I read it in Wild at Heart. It sounds, it sounds like Wild at Heart. Uh, John Eldridge. Um, don't ask the world. Don't ask what the world needs, but what makes your heart come alive? Because what the world needs is people whose hearts are alive. I love that. You know, the world needs us to be living from a heart that's full and alive and passionately engaged. There's plenty enough people out there who are just going through the motions, just, you know, waiting for the weekend, waiting to get through the day. But what is it that makes your heart come alive? What is it that if money... Or time were not issues. What, what is it that you'd pour your life into? And if you didn't have any, any problems, <laughs> any barriers, what would you pour your life into? You know, when I was in high school, um, most of the kids in high school that, that were around me, they didn't know what they wanted to do when they grew up. But I didn't have that problem. At age 15, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a musician, you know. And I thought high school was a waste of time. Stay in school. Stay in school, kids. Um, <laughs> I would even try to find people who were famous who had quit, you know, dropped out of high school, and I'd, I'd use those as, you know, examples for my life. But you know what? I had this picture, this, this narrative, this, this you know, kind of cl- climactic scene in my own head of me, you know, playing music in front of people, and, and it was cool. And I had, I had this, this dream, this idea. And so, you know what? That became the controlling narrative of my life. So, you know, even though I was a goofy high school kid, you know, pretty scrawny too, um, <laughs> I could say other bad things about me, but we'll stop there. But, uh, you know, even though I didn't have it together, living with that idea in mind, it changed the way I lived. All of a sudden, I became disciplined with the way I spent my money. I became responsible. I, there was one summer I worked like 60 hours a week, you know, working like five different lifeguarding jobs so I could, you know, buy this keyboard. And my dad was like, you know, that's silly to waste your time with something like that. Why don't you, you know, waste your time with something that's going somewhere? And I was like, this is going somewhere. So it, my dad's advice only just fueled it, you know. It's just made me rebel even more. And and so by the end of that summer, I had 2000 bucks together, and I bought me a keyboard, a, a real one. And, and, you know, even the kind of vehicles that I got, I, I wasn't interested in a sports car. I only wanted a car that could hold more gear, you know? I didn't care if it was a hatchback or a truck. I just wanted something where you could put instruments in, right? And, uh, 
which didn't make me real popular with a lot of ladies, but um, <laughs> did I have some issues as a, as a high school person trying to live after that narrative? Yes. There was a downside to it. You know, I mean, I kind of bought into the whole rock and roll thing with everything that was involved in it. And, and I, you know, some of it wasn't that worth living for. But in the, you know, in the, in the end, I realized that, that some of the things that I wanted weren't really what I wanted. It, does anybody, I'm sure, how many people saw, what is the movie called, uh, It's a Wonderful Life? How many just saw that recently, you know, in the last two weeks? That's our tradition. That's one of our traditions. We watch that movie every year, and, and, and it still gets me choked up, you know? And it, it, it's about this guy, George Bailey. George Bailey? What's the town he lives in? Bedford Falls. Thank you. The winner of our trivia contest tonight. Free cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> but in that movie, <laughs> George Bailey wants something, doesn't he? What's he want? He wants to get out of <laughs> Bedford Falls, right? He wants to get out of there. He has dreams, dreams of exploring the world and seeing everything. And his dreams are, are just kind of crushed one after another. He ends up there. All his friends leave. His friends go on to make a living and, and make a name and make, make a fortune. And he's stuck in Bedford Falls. And it finally got, drives him to a point of despair. And he's, he's ready to kill himself one night. And, and an angel appears to him, a goofy angel, and uh, shows, shows him what the world would be like without him. And we find that, man, Bedford Falls, it was going to be called Pottersville, yeah, Pottersville, named after the big, greedy, mean guy in the town, and, and you know, we find out without George Bailey, immorality, corruption, depression, it's, it's a bad scene, and, and a lot of people think the moral of this story is that everybody's life, you know, means something, and, and, and that's true in one respect, but George Bailey's life meant a lot more than the other people, because the other people seem to be bit players, but George Bailey, if he's not alive, the whole thing's falling apart. And he finds out in the end, he finds out the end that really the things he thought he wanted, you know, weren't that important. The things he really wanted were right in front of his eyes, and he'd almost missed them. And so he had this kind of awakening. But you know what? The thing is, George Bailey wanted something from the very beginning. And some of us don't want anything, you know? Your, your, your dream for this year is... Man, I'd like to have a little bit more couch time. <laughs> a little bit more time in front of the TV this year. That would be cool. That would be a great story to live in. Uh, question is, what is it that makes your heart come alive? What would be a good story to be living in? You know, several years ago, uh, when, when Dina and I were, were first in Kenner, we we'd, we lived in Kenner probably about a year, and it was time for... Tevia to go to school, uh, like like real school, not preschool. You know, she was going to go into kindergarten. That was scary because Tevia is our, our first child, and you know, we we didn't know what to do. We were kind of leery about the schools in in the New Orleans area, and uh, you know, we were like, ah. but we went ahead and enrolled her in the local public school. And um, reality is, it wasn't that bad. I mean, actually, we were kind of surprised really good teachers, the principal was nice, and things were rolling along good uh, until about halfway through the second semester, and, and Dina gets a call one day that a, another kindergartner had stabbed Tevia with some scissors. It sounds horrible, doesn't it? It wasn't that bad because they don't give kindergartners scissors that are 
you know, you can really <laughs> hurt someone. But you hear somebody calling you saying your child's been stabbed by another kid. You're just like, Anyway, Dina wasn't very happy. <laughs> she went down there, and she started talking to that principal. You know, what's the matter with you? You know, what, isn't there, aren't, don't you pay people to watch these kids? How, how could this even happen to my daughter? You know, what, what kind of place are you running here? And somewhere in the midst of the conversation, Dina bumped into God. You, you ever have one of those things happen where sometimes you're not even looking for God? <laughs> you're not doing anything remotely religious? Actually, you, you may be like totally like not even on the same page of God, and then you bump into him? Well, that, that was Dina that day. She was not thinking godly, happy thoughts. She was angry. <laughs> and all of a sudden, she asked the principal, she's like, well, what about these kids? What about these kids who did this? Who's, who's going to help them out? The principal said, well, you know, we, we don't really have resources to really help a lot of these kids. A lot of them are in bad situations, but, you know, we got a social worker, but he only works here part-time and he works at other schools, so, you know, we don't have much. And right then, Dina's heart began to break because she realized, you know, there, there's some kids that have that are growing up in a mess. They, they got all kinds of whacked-out things happening at home. You know, parents in jail, you know, broken homes, abusive things, parents that just don't care at all. And uh, so she went home, and, 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 and all, all of a sudden that anger was just, like, turned up on its head. And she was like, God, what can we do to help these kids? What can we do? And, and we, we remembered a, a program we'd actually been involved in in, in Hammond before we moved to Kenner. Uh, what, we, Dina. Dina was a sub with this program called, yeah, I'd like to take the credit for it. <laughs> but a program called Kids Hope where they, they uh, I've mentioned it before, they, they, they send mentors from the church into the school to spend one hour a week with a kid. And, and um, so we started looking at, you know, what, what, could, uh, what could be done. Because Dina had a picture in her mind of these kids that were really messed up, that really had all kinds of things stacked against them. And she had a picture in her mind of some adults who would just go sit with them and, and, and teach them and help them out with their stuff. And, you know, maybe be one consistent positive role model in their life. And so over the next few months of research and stuff, we ended up, you know, finding out how to get this Kids Hope pro- program started. So that was about four years ago, maybe a little more than that. When we left Kenner to, to move over here, there was over 20 people now that were going in every week to that school that we'd been a part of, and, and they were spending one hour a week with a kid. Like I said last, last week, that's a good way to spend your life. That's a good story. But you know what? For Dina, it was, there was a, a narrative that was happening. There was a scene <laughs> in her mind, and honestly, it was related to a scene in her mind from a child. You know, she'd realized that when she was a kid of about that age, uh, <laughs> you know, she went into a rough spirit period in her life where, where she was, uh, you know, put into a children's home. But there was a, a woman who loved on her and, and showed her what God was like. It was only a little window of a few months in her life, but it changed her life, even to an adult. That was a narrative that she began to live in, and, 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 and everything else kind of went by the wayside. And, and, and she, she was able to, to step into that and live in a larger story that touched other people. So tonight, I just want to um, ask a couple of things. 
a few questions here, and, and they're on your uh, outline there. Um, what do you want this year? What do you want? Well, you may say, well, I want to lose some weight. Why? <laughs> Why do you want to lose some weight? Because just wanting to lose weight is not enough. Well, I want to eat better. Why do you want to eat better? Well, maybe because I'd like to run the Crescent City Classic. That, that's, that's something to start picturing. Maybe you can get an idea of that picture. The second question is, what might be a good climactic scene for your story for this year? I've already asked that one. Second one is, how can you work towards seeing this scene unfold? Now, as with a lot of the questions we ask here on a Saturday night, I'm not asking for the answers right now. I think you need to go and, and maybe get a little quiet time and just, just begin pondering these questions yourself. Say, so, you know, I would like to see myself. You know, when I hear about, you know, uh, mentoring kids in a public school, man, I like, I like that scene. I'd like to see myself there. Well, what can I do to get there? Or what can I, you know, it doesn't have to be something like that. It, what can you do to get there? The next thing I want to ask, what will be a great climactic scene in the, for this church in the coming year? For those of you, you know, that have been coming around here for a while, or you know, maybe your first time here tonight, you, you, may, you may not have any idea of anything. But I would like us to dream together. I'd like you to, to, to ask this question. What would be some awesome things for our church to do in this community? I want to hear your ideas. I don't want to come. I'm not going to come up with all the ideas of what we're going to do here, okay? I mean, it's, it's hard enough for me to just handle the air conditioner and, and talk. Uh, <laughs> stressed out. <laughs> but what would be an awesome scene for this church? I've got a few ideas, but I'm not going to spoil it for y'all. What would be uh, some awesome scenes for the people in here to be involved in in the community? What would be some awesome things? And how could we start working towards that? I'm, I would really like to know that. I mean, the other questions, you don't have to let me know that. But I'd like to know what your answers are on that. If you want to write that down, and you can, you can email it to me through the website or drop it in the uh, offering basket over there. And uh, I actually asked the second question there. <laughs> how could we work towards seeing that happen? See, I think these are good kinds of questions. And I think as we... Uh, as we kind of conclude this series of living in a larger story, living in a story that is about experiencing Jesus, not just so that we can get healthy and wealthy and happy, but so that our community can be transformed by the kingdom of God. So uh, these are serious things, and I think this is a great time for us to ponder these things. So why don't you guys stand up, and I'm just going to close this with a word of prayer. And tonight, if, if, you would like, um, if you would like anybody to pray for you personally, we'll, we'll keep this open up here, and we'll have a few people up here to pray with you. If you don't like the idea of people praying for you, but you would like prayer, you can drop a little prayer request over there in the offering basket on that little table over there, and we will certainly pray for you uh, in your situation, uh, even in your absence, and God knows everything you need, so... Father God, tonight, Lord, as we look, as, as we end one year and we, we look towards this, this next chapter, Lord, in our lives as individuals, and, and God, as our life together as a church, Lord, God, help us to get a glimpse of where you want to go with things, Lord. God, we don't want to just get by 
We don't want to just trudge through another year and just kind of get to the end of next December burned out and weary and, and, and just, uh, you know, tired. Lord, help us to be people whose hearts are set on fire with your purposes, with your life, with your spirit, Lord. So I just pray for every person in here, God, that in the days to come, Lord, you'd give us open ears and open eyes, open hearts to what you're saying and what you're doing. God, that we could have, God, where we've grown complacent or apathetic or just kind of resigned to things are never going to get better, God, that we can begin dreaming again, that we can begin wanting things again. Lord, Lord, that we could hear uh, what your will is. We could desire that, Lord. So I just, I pray your blessing on everyone in here, God, for that in the next days, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we pray. Amen. Amen.